Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner podcast. I was just on a call with a handful of clients and the excitement that I just felt in the room when I told them who's coming in. A little perk that I like to do is like anyone we work with, if we have a guest, especially a guest of like a high caliber who's just accomplished a ton, um, I'm, I was really impressed with the amount of questions and just the interest coming in. So I'm, I'm vibing twice as high as I was before. I talked to them Brendan Kane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If if you're not familiar with Brendan Kane, I'm just going to give you a few little accomplishments or things that Brendan's done, but nothing compares to the final point I want to make. But I know some of your clients included, you started in Hollywood, and I know you were working with studios, and in one of your interviews, you mentioned every time a new movie comes out, and I never thought of it this way, it's basically a whole brand being developed, and you have to build a... 50 million or 10 million or a massive following in a short period of time for the movie to be successful or it's a flop. Obviously, there's celebrities and, and you know, you can get the word out there a little quicker through channels. But every few months, you had to learn how to build a huge following in a short period of time for the movie to be successful. And I guess ultimately to keep your job. Then what I understood is you went a little bit more independent. You worked with some artists, Taylor Swift, Rihanna. I saw Lionsgate, Sony, Yahoo, NHL, Paramount, all these other companies or, or industries or um, celebrities and brands that you've worked with. All of that is amazing, but what fascinated me the most is then you were like, you know what, let's see what I could do on Facebook. You built a million following Facebook page in under 30 days. And correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but this is everything I've gathered. Then you wrote a book about it, uh, One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Media Following in 30 Days. And I believe you followed that up with building an Instagram audience that is also past the million follower mark. I don't know how long that took, but I know it was a very short period of time as well. Yeah, that's uh, pretty accurate. Awesome. In addition to it, it's it's not like we just did it once. Um, and yeah. we, we've done this, the Facebook side, probably 15 or 20 times, Instagram several times. Uh, also in the book, it's not just me and my strategies, like people sometimes just like um, harp on my channels, but the other partners that we have and other people that I got to reveal their secrets, like throughout the book with everybody amassed, it's probably collectively, we've probably generated 100, 150 million followers across platforms and well over probably 50 billion views. So we provide some well-rounded um, experience, not just our strategies. Yeah, and in a nutshell, I guess ultimately what we're getting at is, hey, you know what you're doing, which is brilliant, but also one big pain point, and I get this, and I still feel it at times, like if I'm completely honest, I have this big, beautiful, brilliant idea, and I'm like, ah, oh, like we feel this, I'm going to call it tension, pain, um, anxiety of, we have a message, and we know at some level, or at least I like to think of it as like God, universe, science, source, whatever, put us here for some reason. And if we don't fully express this gift, I don't know if we can live a complete life. At least that's the way I choose to look at it. And early on, back in my personal training days, I've honed my craft. I read all the books. I developed my skill set as way back in the day, a personal trainer. And I thought I was doing all the right things. And I think there's value in developing a skill. Obviously, you have to back up what you put out there. But it landed when I think it was like Grant Cardone or something. I don't know. Someone who I just some some guy who was flaunting social media said, if they don't know you, they won't flow you. And for whatever reason, it clicked of like, if I can't get people to know me, 
I don't care how good I am at this. I don't care how brilliant I am. And it was a philosophy that stayed with me ever since. And I would find people like Grant or just people who are great at getting attention and monetizing on it, building an audience. And then they were able to speak their message. Um, and ever since then, it, it had such an impact on me that it's been a big focus of my life. And you've quadrupled, tripled, 10x, 100 times any following that I've ever seen. So I'm really excited to dive into maybe some of the strategies and, and things that, that really work. And, and if you're listening right now and you know you have a message, we, we, we got to get it out there. And the more people we can get it out to is, is going to be dependent or is going to define your success. And so that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, just to dovetail on that, I think you hit it right on the head is two two things that you said is getting people to know you and grabbing attention. And the reality of the situation of the world that we live in today, nobody can get to know you unless you can grab attention. And that's why, you know, looking back on my career, people know me for social media because of the one million followers book and the work they did there. But you know, a few years ago, I reflected on my, you know, the 15 years of doing all this stuff. And it really wasn't the social media. It was more about the art of gaining attention, whether it was online or offline, because I did it, obviously, in generating millions of followers and billions of views for clients and projects. But I also had to do it going into a room to close like MTV as a client or Taylor Swift as a client. And it just comes down to this art of grabbing attention. And you know, to the conversation that we were having beforehand and the people that are in your community, like, I feel your pain. Like, I know what it is to put your blood, sweat, and tears into something, to have something powerful to offer the world, and then you launch it or put it out there, and nothing happens. And then you're like, well, is it there a problem with me? Is it a problem with my product? Is it a problem with my service? Does mm-hmm. just nobody care? Mm-hmm. And the reality of the situation is it's generally none of those things. It's your ability to contextualize it in such a way that you can grab attention in the micro-attention world that we live in. Because the the crazy and insane statistic that people don't pay attention to is there's over 60 billion messages sent out on digital platforms each day. You're no longer competing against your direct competition. You're competing against every other piece of content, like it or not. You're competing against Kim Kardashian. You're competing against LeBron James, Netflix, Paramount, CNN, whatever it may be. And if you cannot win the first three to five seconds, then nobody will get to know who you are. Nobody will get to know your purpose, your why, your brand, and all those things, which are important. But to me, the currency, and you hit it on the head with like a Grant Cardone or a Gary Vee, is how do you grab somebody's attention so that you can win the next five, 10, 15, 30, 60 seconds? And that's where most people go wrong, whether you're trying to generate followers, podcast listeners, leads, sales, is they're focusing on how do I tell my full story up front or talk in a way where people actually already care or talk in a way where people actually know who I am. But if you really want to scale, it's really standing out in that next three to five seconds. And that's why I spent the past year and a half condensing all this information in my next book, uh, which is called Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Because I firmly believe in that. If you can't capture attention, if you can't win attention, you're really going to struggle to have any type of success. I love that. I love that. And and I, I, I try to pick up on body language because I love studying it. But I was watching one interview where they were talking about social media, social media. And 
you, you kind of did something and you were like, no, 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 I, that's not just what I do. And, and I don't know if that like, I don't know if the book blew that up and everyone just knows you as that. But you also mentioned that you, you're a strategist at heart. Like you love breaking down and trying to figure out why something works. And you go so much deeper than just the social media aspect of it. Because uh, again, you have 15 years of experience in so many different industries, doing big deals, sales, and you're saying that a lot of it comes down to hooking that attention, getting noticed, because that opens up the door. And then after that, you can use your gift, your superpower. So I, I, I love it because there's a lot of social media specialists out there, but they all kind of say the same thing. I've been coached and in programs with just social media, and it all starts becoming sort of kind of the same thing, or they start going to the algorithms and the technical, and you go so much deeper into 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 why something works yeah and and the way that i look at it is i am very adverse to many people that call themselves social media experts and things of that nature because of a few things one they say or claim this is the only way to do something the way that they do it which is definitively not the case and the way i structured my book is to give different perspectives some of those perspectives contradict each other because i'm a firm believer you have to find what works for you. Uh, secondarily, uh, I operate, as you mentioned, like starting off in the film industry, like I have to operate at massive scale. So I don't look at things from an incremental scale perspective. I don't look at things that are going to net a few thousand followers or the extra 10 to 20,000 views. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that at all, because some people that's all they need. But I have to look at it from the perspective of what real scale looks like also systematically break it down so people can follow it. Uh, And then third, it's I am not the best social media person on the planet. There's people that are way better at it than me, like Princier, who wrote the forward for my book. Like He's one of the best content creators out there. Um, Or like interviewing the founder of 9gag, who's generated 50 million followers on his accounts, or my friend that started Jukin Media. But what I try and do is extract information, learn as much from them so I can share it with people. It was never about making me an influencer or claiming that I am the best like content creator on the planet. It's my role as a strategist is to understand how things work, break it down so I can share that information with people that read my book, with my private clients so that we can reproduce results for them. So that's kind of the lens that, that I kind of approach social media and I love that I love that and, and it so resonates with me because I can read a I like give me a Robert Green book or give me an art of war give me some kind of book on strategy and it's like the the any ver, any any industry or vertical or anything is talking about is really it, it applies to all industries and when you can learn how to do that in one way it all applies in two other ways so I love that and I think this audience really resonates with that we don't generally like the surfacey stuff we want to know why and, and why something's working. So for anyone listening, because I get this a lot, they feel like social media is a bit of a, a bummer, a drag. I have to do this thing. And sometimes I get pushback of like, well, I don't want to be on social media. I, I There's got to be another way or other people are successful without social media. I wanted to clear the air and just get your quick perspective for anyone who's still resistant to the social media thing. I was. I didn't have personal social media. And when I got into business people started telling me about the social media thing. Like I worked on the oil rigs for six years where I didn't care about Facebook. When I quit, started a business, it became important. So it took me a long time to understand why people use social media if they don't have something to sell. I just couldn't comprehend why someone would 
go on Instagram for two hours at night if they're not selling something. It didn't make sense. And then I started talking to friends, talking to people who use social media and understood what they were after and, and what they were trying to fill or what they were entertainment, all of this. So for someone who's resistant to social media as a consumer, but is trying to sell stuff online, how important is social media and any quick little words of wisdom to maybe reframe or see it a little bit differently? Yeah, it's a great question. And the, the first place I will start is that you don't have to be on social media to be successful. It's not required. Yes, there are other ways to be successful. It's why I, I wrote this the follow-up book to focus on both online and offline strategies of capturing attention because I've had success in both. Now, can social media help? Absolutely. I mean, I know five people in the past, I would say five or six years that have created billion-dollar companies. So it can definitely be a useful tool. Now, to go into social media, you have to find some redeeming factor in it in order to be successful. If you're going in kicking and screaming, saying, I hate this, I hate this, you're ultimately not going to drive the success that you're looking for. And one of the uh, and I actually restructured my book to start off with this exercise um, before I dive into any of the, the new information in the second edition of the book. And it's a mindset exercise of understanding why you're doing what you're doing. And it's amazing how many people dive into social media because they feel like they have to or they feel like it's going to solve all of their problems without understanding really why are they doing it. What, what aspect of their dreams or their career is it going to fulfill in using that as your guiding light? Because if you know that getting X number of followers will lead to a book deal or television appearance or a certain lifestyle or whatever it is you're going after, and you have that clear foundation, that will help you when it gets hard. That will help you when you feel like giving up. That will help you when it's not fun because you understand the primary purpose yeah. that you're using it for. And even me doing it, like I oftentimes have those feelings of like, why am I doing this? This is so hard. I'm putting myself through all of this. And that guiding principle has helped me significantly. So that's the way that I look at it. And secondarily, there's different facets of social media. Obviously there's different platforms or different ways that you can use it. You don't necessarily have to do organic. You can do paid. You don't necessarily have to do Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter or TikTok, you can do LinkedIn and you can do cold outreach on LinkedIn. So there's many different ways that you can leverage it. And also there's different principles, like you don't have to post every day. That's a big misconception. You can focus more in depth on certain longer form pieces of content or put more effort into pieces of content. So that's kind of different ways that I look about it and coach people on, on, on helping them be successful with the platforms. Sounds like sounds like the writing principle of like know thyself. So know like if like if, anything. If, if you love, I've always loved video because I have acting background. I can shoot video all day and it's a joy. Writing, you won't see a blog post from me. I literally have not developed that skill and I haven't chosen to yet. So to get me to blog, which I tried because someone told me you have to blog. After two months, I quit because I just and I'm I'm extremely disciplined. I'm not lazy, but I quit on blogging because I disliked it so know thyself so cool next question and this goes hand in hand with does building a social media following always equal success dollars um, is a million person following better than a ten thousand dollar ten thousand following follower base all of the time 
So the answer to all of those questions is no. <laughs> it's what you do with it. It's how you maximize the potential of it. I mean, a big thing that I talk about a lot is how you leverage your online presence for offline opportunities. So what does that mean? So I generated a million followers in 30 days only not because of, of a matter of if I could do it, it was a matter of why. I already knew I could do it. But the reason I did it is because I spoke to a literary agent. I was like, if I go and do this, will you sign me and get me a publishing deal? And he said, yes. And the reason that was important to me is I knew it gave me a platform to have a larger conversation. I knew that first off, getting a book translated to the offline world, which is a very different conversation. When you have a book, you have people spending seven, eight, 10 hours with you, sometimes more if they reread the book. Then you can leverage that book to get television appearances, podcast appearances, speak on stages, which is a passion of mine of giving back to people. So it's all about what you mm -hmm, do with it mm -hmm. that counts. There's some people that have 10,000 followers that will do more with it than people that have a million followers. And this is where understanding how you're going to get your ROI out of your social media following or your social media efforts. So there's some people that have 10, 20, 50,000 followers that will make more money than people with a million followers. You know, having a social audience today is a bit of a commodity. There's a lot of people that have large social audiences, but it's what you do with it. And that's where, again, going back to this concept of a hook point and differentiating yourself in a market, differentiating your product, your message in a way that it will take that audience and amplify it. Now, with that said, does a big social audience uh, increase your level of success or increase your ability to be successful? Does it make you stand out? Absolutely. Is it a guarantee? No. So the biggest thing I got from that, I kept thinking, is your ability to – that went 10 layers deeper than I thought because when you mentioned the why, you were like, great, social media, no why. And I'm like, yeah, great, build a social media so you can sell your product and build your email list and cross whatever. But now you gave me a layer deeper of like, no, 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 your intention was to build a following of a million people, not to sell uh, a service, but to get your book out. Like you had, you were playing chess, not checkers. You were a few steps ahead and you had a big grand vision for it. So your intention was to build a million following. Whereas I've seen people with 20,000 followers who are at five, six, eight hundred thousand dollars from their social media platform, just from those clients selling a really high ticket package. So I guess it comes down to your intention and what you're saying is, and I can now see this, is a lot of people are just posting on social media because every other coach is doing it and they think they should be doing it and they're kind of building a following and they got a little link tree up top with a few links to their stuff, but there's no real strategy behind it. And what I guess you're getting at is go a few layers deeper and create, connect the dots. Yeah. And and that's where I look at it as a much more strategic and larger play is when I'm working with clients, I'm asking them these questions and I don't typically work or want to work with people. It's like, I want to generate a massive following so I can sell products to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little short sighted. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a much bigger play that can be had than that. And I, and I, I'm glad you brought up that question because when I do that, why exercise, I don't want to hear answers so I can sell more products or build my list. Because that's not the real why. Yeah. What is really driving you? Yeah. Because that that those answers will ultimately cause you to fail and give up. Because it'll get harder than that. It's like, is it a lifestyle play? Do you have a dream to publish a book? Do you have a dream to speak on stages or connect with uh, people all over the world? 
that's what I'm looking for on that deeper level because that's really going to motivate people and inspire them to take the next level. Um, but that again is like I look at it as a, a larger strategic play of what social media can really mean um, because selling products and building email lists and stuff off of social mo- following you can do it. But I think it's a little short-sighted into looking at the larger picture. I love that. I love that. No one gave me that advice when I was doing the podcast. This started, I think, two and a half years ago with consistency once a week, two times a week, three times a week. But I started it because I literally wanted to connect. And I think deep down inside, I knew it would start opportunities, open up doors. Beautiful relationships have been formed from it, never with the intention of making it a platform that drives traffic or makes sales, it eventually turned into that. Like when Facebook ads shut us down, the podcast held us down and we had enough flex to get on, you know, bigger guests or reach out and have that, but it was never the intention of it. And I think if I would have started the podcast with the intention to make money, I don't know if I would have stuck with it for two years. It never made a dime for two years. It wasn't my intention. Whereas some other activities I did, I did it for the money and it was short term. If not, they eventually failed. And, and, you're kind of bridging the gap that a lot of social media people who starting social media are doing it because I want to build a fast following, make money, and ultimately they fail because it's probably a little bit harder than they think coming into it. And there's nothing wrong with making money or having money as the goal. Yeah, it's just yeah. oftentimes you know being an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've experienced it. You just shared some stories. Is typically it's three times harder and yeah. takes ten more time than you you ever anticipated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one other way that I can kind of uh, encapsulate what I meant uh, about how looking at the strategic picture, are you familiar with the thousand true fans model? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who was that so, that did that? I'm trying to, Damn. I'm blanking on the name. I know Tim Ferriss talks about it all the time, but essentially it's like build, identify your thousand true fans and you can make a living off of that. But the way that it was articulated is really building the fans like one by one through that approach versus because I started off in the film industry. And as you alluded to in the beginning, is I had I was forced right. to think big. I could not go into a meeting and talk about something that's going to reach ten thousand or a hundred thousand people. I had to go into meetings with ideas that's going to reach tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, of people around the world. So, like the million followers in thirty days, what and the way that I look at it with clients is how can we go as big and as wide as possible with social media numbers and followings, and then use that number. Like generating a million followers in thirty days was not really how do I generate a million people that's going to buy my product? Are there certain people in there that will buy it? Sure. But I didn't really care if any of those million people would buy it. What I cared is that number, and it's all real people. Um, and I'm not talking about fake stuff or bots or any of that. But how I could take that number, then strategically leverage it to get on a big podcast, to get on a television show, to get on a stage, where then through those opportunities and through the people yeah. that read my books mm-hmm. – Mm-hmm. That will attract my thousand true fans through that and building the brand that way. So so going out big and then bringing it back in. That's right. a strategy that I've known to work because most people don't approach it that, that way. 99% of the people are looking at how do I build it incrementally this mm-hmm. way versus starting this way and growing it back in. I love that. I love that. I love that so much. It's this whole different mindset shift and way of looking at it instead of, you know, you can build success, I guess, over 20, 25 years. One person, I think it was, uh, who's the guy? Uh, Russell Brunson. I think in one of his books, he talks about the true 100 true fans where identify yeah. your 100 true fans and reach out to them manually. 
that works, but you've been trained and conditioned to, it's got to happen quick at scale, uh, speed and in a few months. So I, I love that. I love that. We're kind of answering some of these next questions cause, cause some of them was really, but I also want to point out yeah. before we move on is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a million because right. each industry is different. Like right. for, I was, I was consulting a chef, for example, like a private chef that wanted to build her brand. And when we were looking at the biggest chefs in the world, I think the biggest ones had like two or 300,000 followers. So right. I don't want people to feel like a pressure. I need to have a million followers. Some people only need 20,000 or 50,000 or a hundred thousand to yeah. get that strategic partnership or that book deal or that press opportunity. Love that. Love that. Love that. I guess know your audience and know, create a game plan. This is what I'm getting. The biggest thing that I'm getting from this. I know it in many areas of my life, but I've, to be honest, I've never looked at social media as even more of the opportunities. My mind's flooded with different ideas that we're definitely going to have a group meeting on and start planning some stuff out. If, if you could break down, you probably hate this question. Most people who are really great at what they do, do. I know the pain of it, but if you could break down a few of the, the micro little mistakes that you see that is just like, man, if you could just stop doing these few little things, you could have so much more success than what you're having. Einstein doing the same thing over and over, insanity. Um, any, anything that you could that you see just happening over and over and over, and you're like, why are you doing this? You just want to reach out through Instagram and, and let the creator know, like, stop doing this. Yeah, so the biggest thing is is in the art of capturing attention on these platforms, you have literally less than three seconds. And you've got to understand that in your communication design of your content. When we're working with people, we never change what they say, but we change how they say it. We'll never change what somebody's about, what their brand or their product's about, but how do we contextualize it in such a way that can get somebody to stop scrolling? Because again, when you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, you've got to envision somebody is just seeing Kim Kardashian, LeBron James, CNN, the Netflix trailer. So you've got to have a pattern interruption to compete against that. You've got to get somebody to stop. And some of the biggest mistakes, and if people listen to the end, I'm going to give them um, access to a free masterclass that dives deeper into the subject matter because it's an hour and a half of free content that dives super deep into this. Cool. Um, and we don't have enough time to cover it in, in depth right now, but I will give you some of the principles with it is that what most people are doing is they are overloading the the viewer when they're scrolling through the feed. And this goes for both paid and organic. So if I'm scrolling up, I got less than three seconds. Your job is just to get somebody to stop. Most people are, are they're using a meme card plus captions, plus speaking on the screen, and they're just completely overwhelming them. And the sweet spot is how can you not overwhelm somebody and make them think too much or think too little. There's like a sweet spot in between. And again, it's like, how do I just get somebody to stop so I can win the next five seconds and the next 15 mm. seconds, the next 30 seconds. And most people are just kind of vomiting all of their information in those first three to five seconds and nobody will stop. And the minute people are skipping your video, your image or whatever it is, the algorithms right. see that right away and then they suppress your reach. People think the algorithms are out to get them, that the algorithms are get there to get you to, um, to pay for reach. It's not the case. The algorithms have one job and one job only, and that's retention. Mm -hmm. How do I keep people on the platform longer? And if you have a piece of content that not only gets somebody to stop, but then retains them, 
you'll get all the reach that you want in the world. So that's one of the biggest mistakes. The other big mistake that people make is they say the same thing in the same way as everybody else. So to give you an example of that, let's say we're a meditation coach. So meditation has been talked about for thousands of years. It's oversaturated. So if I was going out with a piece of content, the last thing I would ever do is, and let's just talk about the meme card because everybody uses meme cards and they can be effective. But because everybody uses them, you have to stand out. Now, most people would say in their meme card or their first three seconds, meditation is the key to success or meditation is the key to happiness or the key to stillness or something like that. The problem with this, that, that is every, everybody's heard it. So if I see that headline, I already know what the video is going to be about. I don't have to stop. Right. Now, you may have a completely different take on it, but the way that you're positioning it is not proper. And it's not to say that you're not unique or your your positioning on it's unique. So how would I reinvent that? One of the tools that we use, and I'm not saying we use this every time, but one of the tools that we use is, uh, is a pattern interrupt tool called subverting expectations. So flipping it on its head. So if I was creating a, a, a video or an ad around meditation, I would say meditation is a scam. Now I would start off saying, listen, I don't believe meditation is a scam. I've been meditating for 12 years. But most people that have failed at meditation think it is a scam because of all the misinformation in the marketplace. For example, meditation is about clearing your head. Well, that's impossible to do. So here's my approach, my three-step approach to meditation. So what have I done is by, by putting that meditation is a scam, I'm getting somebody to stop, especially the people that typically would be opposed to it, and then you, I'm diving into why it's you know why people may think it's a scam and how my approach is different to it. Now, in everything I talk about, I'm not talking about clickbait because clickbait has no substance to back it up. What I'm saying is, how can you bring people into the conversation so they can pay attention to what you have to say about the specific subject? Awesome, awesome. That's what I was about to say. Is it's not clickbait because you're backing it up. You're not just yes. doing something random that's disconnected. And also, I love the idea that you said. What resonated with me was just to reiterate for anyone who maybe missed it was you're winning your next three or five seconds. And that for whatever reason resonated because you can almost see that someone stops. You won the most important part. You got their attention. Your whole new book is about that. I'm going to make sure I put a link for that at the end of this episode, but then you got the next five seconds and then you got the next five seconds. And if you can do your job, right, I guess those who win hold the attention the longest. So then you're always on someone's mind. The next time they see your post, they'll probably be much more, It'll invite them much more to read it. They become fans, super fans. You get your thousand fans and off you go. Yeah, so there, we see that there's three key pillars to successfully capture somebody's attention. So the, the first pillar is just that hook point of how you get somebody to stop. But then once you have their attention, you have to have a strong story to back it up, a strong story that maintains that attention. And the third is you have to have trust and credibility when you're telling that story. If you're missing any one of those three pillars, you will fail. So that's when we're working with private clients to develop their hook points. We don't just focus on, okay, how are you going to garner that attention? But how are you going to translate that attention into a powerful message that's going to ring true and be authentic to who that person is so that they can you know, hold up with those three pillars and maximize the potential of the attention that they're getting. So cool. So cool. So if, if I 
transition from this, and we're kind of answering our own question here, but when it comes to like the best social media platforms, there is always pleasure. Like TikTok will come out, and everyone's like, dude, you got to be on TikTok. You got to be on TikTok. And I, I genuinely just double down whether this is right or wrong. And you can correct me here. Maybe I'm making a mistake, but I'm like, I ain't feeling TikTok. I like long form content. I love interviews. I love preparing, creating video content, and it works really well for us. And I have a passion for it. Whereas TikTok, I'm like, sure, it may be the new thing. And it might be really, you, you, apparently people are getting like hundreds of thousands of followers in a short period of time. And some people are totally winning on it. It's awesome. But I, I don't have the app. And so if someone asks what's the best social media platform, I'm guessing part of the equation is what we talked about of knowing yourself or knowing your strengths or what you're going to stick to in the long run and something you're passionate about. But I guess there's also, I mean, Blockbuster went out of business, Netflix roads to fame. There's an element of keeping up with the times. Is there like a, a fine line between standing your ground or risking becoming a dinosaur if you don't jump onto the new platforms? So it's a great question. First, and you hit it on the head, is start with what you're passionate about. What is the content format? What is the content medium that you love creating? But just as important, what is the content formats that you consume? Because how can you create a podcast if you don't consume podcasts? Right. How can you create TikTok videos if you're not on TikTok every day creating that content? My personal uh, belief is that I would stick first to what you're passionate about, the platforms that you use the most. Uh, and then I also really don't touch a platform until it reaches minimum of five or 600 million followers, not followers, users, daily or monthly active users, because that's a good indication. You can really burn yourself out. Right. And don't, like you said, don't jump on a platform just because other people tell you to jump on it. Jump on it because you believe in the long-term impact on it. Yeah. And you, you look at the core platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, even Twitter, like they're going to be around. They're not, you know, those companies are smart. They're not going to, it's not going to be like MySpace or Friendster where they just get pummeled. They're too smart. They're using mm -hmm. too much mm -hmm. psychology. Uh, they, they have so many things going for that. That's not going to um, kill them off. Does that mean that TikTok doesn't have a place in this world and it's not going to be successful? No, it doesn't mean that. But don't just jump on something because somebody tells you you have to or because you're feeling the pressure that it's the new kid on the block. Now, always look at the trends. Like I study TikTok. I look right. at what's making it work or what's not making it work and understanding and guessing where the market's going. But that doesn't mean that I have to jump on and create a channel and start creating content for it. Right. I like that. Trends, study, don't be close-minded to it. Pick and choose your battles and probably don't. From from what I understood there, don't get on all of the platforms just because everyone's on it. Focus on one or two core platforms, build it, and then, I don't know what the verb is, cross-populate or, or transition or whatever word I'm looking for into other platforms if you choose to. Yeah, it's like an analogy I just thought of is it's like learning a language. It's right. like you don't learn five languages at the same time. You learn one language, get really good at it before you move on to the next one, and each platform is almost like a language. I like that. Because they did, they have, they communicate in different way. The algorithms work different way. Consumer behavior is different. I like that. I like that. So cool. So you've you did the whole million follower thing in thirty days, and I think anyone who hears that is just like, "Whoa, that's so cool. Good for Brendan. Like, great. If we could just get ten percent of that, so someone listening could get ten percent of that, a hundred thousand followers, which I think is huge. You could definitely launch something successful. You could, you could, you could." 
see massive success or massive momentum forward rather than just scrounging for one or two followers a day and being frustrated because no one cares about your stuff. So if someone was starting from scratch, and I think we're really just going to break down everything you talked about, who wants to get to 100,000 followers, it sounds like, and I'll get this going, it sounds like the first thing you talked about is the three-point or the three-pillars hook story and trust creed. So develop develop the that. The first place you have to start is you have to ma ma master the art of gaining attention. Right. That, that's the first place because even if you get the followers, if you can't master that, then right. you're not going to reach your followers. That's why, um, and I'll give access to this free masterclass, like before Sweet. 1 million followers are diving any further into it, I would watch that masterclass and then you cool. can get the book point after that. Because again, if you can't garner attention, and you mentioned Grant Cardone mentioned that to you, is it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It doesn't matter if you're on social media. It doesn't matter if you're using paid or organic. You're, you're ultimately going to struggle to reach the level of success that you're looking for. It, it, and it also looks like when I started studying like this, you know, um, Grant Cardone's and, and Gary Vaynerchuk's, the one thing I noticed was they were great at, I'm going to say, well, creating polarity, but I don't think they did it out of hate or trying to create division or violence. They did it because they were, they knew who they were and they shared their beliefs, their views. They were okay being completely themselves. But it, I noticed that some of the most successful people on social media, when I study them, are very good, I guess we can call it, at creating that polarity. And some, I think, maybe take it too far and create hate and division and, and maybe violence around it, which I don't know if that's the best idea. But others are just speaking the truth, and they let the people decide whether they – it just starts conversations. It seems like it's, it's like it's a strategy everyone uses, whether they know they're doing it or not. Yeah, and again, it comes back to the point I made earlier is when we're working with people, we're not changing who they are. We're not changing their message. We're changing the way that they contextualize it so people can hear it, whether it's just through developing a hook or, you know, we work, uh, we use certain communication frameworks that have been around for 40 years right. to dictate how we deliver the message, the type of words, phrases. Do we ask a question? Do we give it, you know, a direction? All of those different things play into it. So some people will say, well, to be successful in social media, you have to be in a bikini or you have to do right. speed hate or create a fight. It's not, can those, are those people successful? Yes, but does that mean that you have to do that? No, not at all. There's many different ways that you can express different messages to really pay attention to what you have to say. And this, this mastering the art of attention doesn't just go for social media. If you look at the most successful companies in the world, look at what Amazon did. You know, they built their entire business off of grabbing attention, creating hooks. So, you know, they did it with two-day shipping, with Prime, um, with their acquisitions of like Twitch, uh, the one-day shipping, all of these different elements to bring people into the conversation. Netflix did it with killing off Blockbuster. You know, they, they did it with no late fees, which was a big pain point of hooking people in. To like today, they spend close to 16, 17 billion dollars a year on content, original content, because right. they know that that's their hooks into their service. And they only need like 5% of that to pay off. They only really need one breakout show, like a, a Stranger Things right. can put plenty of people in. You look at what like Game of Thrones and Sopranos did for HBO. 
that hooked people in and that put their service on the map. So there's so many other facets. You look at Elon Musk and Tesla with the Cybertruck. You know, the Cybertruck was designed to capture attention. Elon Musk did something that car companies would never do, and that's actually manufacture a concept car. And some would even say that Elon Musk designed the Cybertruck to be ugly on purpose. And I'm not going to say whether it's ugly or cool or not, but it created a wild debate. Mm -hmm. And that debate created 250,000 pre-orders of a truck that's Mm -hmm. never been heard of before. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different facets of not just social media content, but applying it to other types of business businesses and working in the offline world as well. I love this. I love this whole conversation inspired me to dive even deeper into the game and play it at an even higher masterful level and see it as a way wider game than just social media. So it's, I'm actually feeling extremely inspired and I hope uh, you know those, those listening are too. If people want to dive into your work, I want to be respectful, respectful of your time. You, I know you have a masterclass. We'll have the link below. I'll be watching that myself. We'll have links to your book. I want to make sure one of your books is coming out September 29th or 28th in Canada. Is it already out in the U.S.? Did I understand that right? So it's it's out on audio. So it's on Audible, and the the ebook is on Amazon. The physical book uh, will be out in a few weeks. Uh, and if they go to hookpoint.com, we'll probably have early access to that as well. Um, but I really highly recommend the first place to start is dive into the masterclass. Sweet. Understand that. And then if they want to dive in further from that, uh, the the Hookpoint book before 1 million followers. Not to say that there's not value in it. It's just to maximize the potential Great. of follower growth or social media. Really understanding the art of grabbing attention is really the first place to start. Awesome, awesome. And, and everyone already knows this. I always mention if there's any affiliate or any upside for me. And in this instance, there's not. So, so any of the books or any of the master classes... Uh, it's it, there, there is nothing in it for me, so there's no ulterior motive to me sharing those. I'll have the links below. I ask every guest this question before they depart, and it's um, I'm, I'm curious what way you'll go with this. And, and if we need a two-minute silence, it's okay. We can edit it out. There's no pressure, although I'm kind of manufacturing pressure here. But the question simply goes, if, if there was just one element, one thing you could leave for either your younger self or the world at large. This can be due with business or social media. It can be personal. We've had some people who've just had their first or second child and they had these crazy epiphanies of life lessons that they're just like, whoa, I wish I would have known this. Uh, with where you're at right now in your career, in your personal life, and if all of the experiences that make you you, what would one thing be that you'd love to leave behind or pass on? Well, I think it's, it's really being patient with yourself and with the journey of success. And a big part of that patience is being kind to yourself. I, I think that that's one of the elements that I have struggled with in the past is I push myself too hard and too hard on myself. And I think that lesson for the larger world is if we were all kinder to ourselves, I think we would be kinder to other people. And, and that's kind of, I think, the message that I would relate to my younger self and to everybody else out there. So amazing. I can imagine um, starting in Hollywood, there must be tremendous pressure for performance and, and a lot of factors that go into play, just like professional athletes or anyone at a really high level. There's probably an element of that, but learning, I guess, how to balance that, it sounds like, or learning how to not let it consume you, sounds like. 
Yeah, and it, I don't know that for me, I, I think any industry, it would be the same as just I have had that ingrained into yeah, me since yeah. child is just yeah. pushing myself super hard. Yeah. And, uh, and that pressure, for me at least, does not come from external. It comes from internal. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. So amazing. Love it. Love it. Appreciate your time. All the links will be below. And, uh, and again, I appreciate your 45 minutes with us. I know this will be of tremendous value. At least it was for me. So I, I'm looking forward to jumping into this social game and stepping up my game because it can definitely use some steppage uppage. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it was great to connect with you and uh, to connect with everybody listening. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.